some of you may never have heard of or heard Charles Simpson. Um, I was fortunate to have begun become acquainted with his teachings at the age of 17. And uh, not trying to make you feel over, Charles. But, uh, uh, but Charles was a was a, a, a Southern Baptist pastor, and as the old cassette tapes used to say, he was the son of a Southern Baptist pastor. Brother Vernon Simpson was a fine, fine gentleman. I wish all of you could have known him. Uh, Brother Charles pastored Bayview Heights Baptist Church in Mobile, Alabama. And seven years into that, he received the baptism in the Holy Spirit became a bona fide tongue talker, and everything went smoothly after that. <laughs> He's laughing the loudest. but uh, And he pastored that church for another seven years and then moved on to other, other ministries. And so he, he was uh, in the early days of the charismatic movement. There were a lot of Bible teachers that we looked up to, uh, a number of Bible teachers that we looked up to, uh, that God was using in those days, and of course, Charles Simpson was one of those. Was I was intricately involved with uh, the publication and the writing of articles for New Wine Magazine and uh, other other ministry items. Uh, there came a day when the consultant said to Brother Charles, "You know, you can lose three hundred thousand dollars a year if you want to, but that's what that magazine's doing." And Brother Charles said, "I feel I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do that." And so, what came out of that? was uh, ultimately Integrity Music came out of his ministry, out of his church, and, uh, and of course, became a business and was uh, owned and run by Michael Coleman. Brother Charles served on the board of Integrity Music until it was sold to David C. Cook Music out of Colorado Springs. Since then, Brother Charles has been traveling the world, pastoring pastors, leading, and uh, just making contributions everywhere that he possibly can. Someone asked me recently, is Brother Charles about ready to retire? I said, hmm. He goes more than I do. And uh, he last Saturday he turned 82. And uh, I don't know what that slowdown thing looks like, but it's not. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, but uh, I have been personally acquainted with Brother Charles for well over 40 years. And, and for the last, last number of years, I'm honored to say that he's my pastor. So I want you to welcome the man of God who has the word of God for us tonight, Charles Simpson. Thank you. I like introductions not just for what they say, but what they don't say, and I'm glad for that. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be together in Christ, to share the life, the common life. We thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to um, hear something eternal. I pray that you will speak your living word into our hearts and that the Holy Spirit will say more than I do. And I pray that what we hear will make us doers of the word. Bless this house and Everyone represented, we trust you, Lord, and we give great thanks to be part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to um, the book of Hebrews. It would help me, but I, I don't know. Huh? Carrie, can you dim these spots just a little bit? I'm sorry I'm light-sensitive. I'm a very sensitive person, too. <laughs> anyway, it'd be nice. That's good. And uh, you, you work the lights. I tell you, he does a great job. We love him. Everybody that comes to Gatlinburg appreciates him a whole lot. And all of you, my goodness, you're so blessed. You've got uh, a great worship team and great leadership. <clears throat> I um, appreciate you mentioning the 82nd birthday, Larry. I, I was trying to forget that if I could. Um, <laughs> Agatha Christie, the great um, novelist, said the smartest decision she ever made was marrying an anthropologist. 
because the older she got, the more interested he was in her. And so I hope that works. <laughs> Age is a high price to pay for maturity. I did a lot of exercise going back to where I was to try to figure out why I left in the first place. Anyway, some of you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> it's a little sign said, I used to think I was undecided, but now I'm not sure. Anyway, <laughs> it'll catch you later. All right. I'm going to talk to you about where yesterday meets tomorrow. <clears throat> I'm kind of stuck in a subject. Uh, I'm kind of stuck in, well, a, a subject, I guess. There are a lot of different messages that apply to it, and I've brought more than one. But I, I, I want to talk about where we are and what to do. Uh, by we, I mean... The country, you can't do a whole lot about it. You can vote. Um, the church, you can do a little more about that. Your family and you as an individual. Uh, how many of you know it's good to take assessment every once in a while? And the Lord will help us to do that and guide us. Aren't you glad for the leadership of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to read from Hebrews, the third chapter, and I just love to read the old chapter, but I, I can't do that for time's sake, but I will read verse 7, but I want, I want you to know the word today keeps popping up in Hebrews 3 and 4 and, um, and in 2, and I, I can't mention every time, but let's just start in verse 12. Beware, brethren... How I many of you know when the Bible says beware, well, you need to look out. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Say today with me. Today. Now, that's a capital T in my Bible. Is it yours? Today. He's not talking about Wednesday or Friday. He's talking about a specific time of God's opportunity. And it's limited, by the way. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. For who, having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all those who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not or should not, would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. And look with me, if you would, in verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. It was prepared before the foundation, but they didn't enter it. Verse 7, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Well, we could read the whole chapter. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I'll just read a few verses. Now, we're talking about Israel in Hebrews uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, um, I'll, I'll read a few verses. Beginning verse 1 from the New King James, 
<clears throat> Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses, into his government, in the cloud and in the sea. They had a double baptism in water and spirit. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they all drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Well, the, 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 the word I want to get across is example, example. Israel is our example. Let's say it together. Israel, let's say it with gusto. Israel, how many of you know it's important to know about Israel? Yeah. Now, Israel, if I can say it this way, you know, the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. In other words, God teaches us something before we're spiritual. He teaches us something through a natural story or natural demonstration, which we could call a parable. Jesus told parables, stories. Now, the parable, you know, m most of the time the parable wasn't for everybody. It was for his disciples. It was to obscure a spiritual truth from people who weren't willing to see. It's amazing, but... The parable of the sower, a lot of parables people didn't get. They just heard a story. Some people just hear a story. Other people see a truth. Some people just see the natural. Other people see something going on beyond that. Now, it's important to see something going on beyond that. We're not just... Uh, sensitive to the natural world. Of course, I think some people are not that, but but we should be sensitive to the spiritual world behind the natural world. Not that we ignore, not that Israel wasn't important, but they're important not only as history, but as a lesson. Not just a lesson like you could say, well, I learned a lesson, but they're teaching us something above the natural. They're teaching us something about God. They're teaching us something about opportunity that's missed. They're teaching something about... I, I, how many of you understand opportunities come and, and don't always repeat themselves? They seldom do. And so he, he's warning us in Hebrews, don't... Miss your opportunity. And if you read 1 Corinthians 10, he gives you a list of things that can make you miss your opportunity. Various kinds of sin, ingratitude, all kinds of things can cause you to miss. And it, it caused Israel to miss. What he's saying is Israel applies to you and to me. I'm not so sure that our culture understands that. I'm not so sure the church understands it. But we need to understand it because it's God. <laughs> you know, how many of you know that it, it, it doesn't really matter what you believe about reality? Reality is still reality. How many believe there's such a thing as objective truth? How many of you know a lot of people don't believe there is? They think they have my truth and your truth, and whoever wants to have a truth can have a truth. The fact is, the truth will happen no matter how you feel about it, whether you believe it or not. <laughs> oh, me. Well, I'm singing to the choir. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of folks that need to know that that don't. So Israel applies to us, particularly the Exodus. And so that means we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey. 
The scenery is changing. Where you are is a motel, not a palace. Everything's changing. I can't believe how much has changed. There's more change going on right now than any time in history, and it's going on faster. The thing about change is it's accelerating. And, you know, how many different companies that were Fortune 500 companies back 50 years ago not even in business, the majority of them? You know, it seems so permanent. Sears seems so permanent to me. We called it Sears and Roebuck. And and then it became just Sears. Then it became gone, you know. Um, anyway, we are on a journey where you are right now is not permanent, whether you're a Christian or not. The scenery's changing. And... Uh, <clears throat> We're, I suppose, if, if, if Israel applies to us, then we're on a journey to a promised land. I, I love the songs about heaven, and, and some people believe the promised land is here, and we can live it now. That's fine. Um, but we're going somewhere that should be better than where we are. And the Holy Spirit is ostensibly, leading us to the... How'd like, how, how many of you would like to get to a place a little better than where you are right now? Anybody here? Now, I'm not going to trick you. You didn't raise your hand. Anyway, I saw you all raising your hand a while ago. Now, don't worry. Anyway. <laughs> now, here's the thing. God doesn't bring the promised land to you. He brings you to the promised land. A lot of people think, well, I can just believe God and it's all going to come to me. I don't think so. Not in a spiritual sense, not on this trip. God's intent is to take us, if, if, if Israel is an example, God's intent is to take us out of Egypt, which is a type of bondage, into His promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. He's taking us out of a land that we have to irrigate to a land that drinks of the rain of heaven. Now, so we're on a trip because those two lands are not next door to each other. We're on a journey. We're going somewhere we've heard about, but we've never been. There's a lot I can say about this. I won't. But the Bible says, we are pilgrims and sojourners. Say sojourn with me. Sojourn. How I many of you know that's a journey? A sojourner is on a trip, and uh, it says we have here we we have here no continuing city. How many of you understand? A lot of people live like the way they're living now and where they're living now is going to always be just like it is. If you don't stop and think about it, that's what you're assuming. But it won't. Now a storm comes along, or something happens. Somebody gets sick. There's something. It's changing. And change is not fun. At least, I mean, if you could just see the promised land next door, that would be fun. But, <laughs> oh, me, I, I got I to wait and get on. You can't live in yesterday and get to the place God's calling you to. You can't live in yesterday. Now, I appreciate the good old days. Uh, sometimes when I'm not happy with where things are, I think, boy, that was a good time. <laughs> I'm a child of the 50s, 1950s, not 18. Anyway, <laughs> you, 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 you know, you think everything was so... How many of you know when you get away from something, there's a lot you forget about it? <laughs> anyway, happy days. And now, all the traditions and ways of of thinking are changing. You know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's, you wake up every day to something that was unheard of 50 years ago. 
If you weren't living 50 years ago, I'll tell you, it was unheard of. You know, it's, it's like people are fighting against any restrictions, any definitions, any traditions. It's fun just to tear them up. Now, what we tend to do is say, no, you don't understand. That's the way it was, and that's the way it ought to be. The problem is, nothing stays like it ought to be. You can't live in yesterday. You can bring the lessons of yesterday into tomorrow, but you can't bring the conditions of yesterday. And I'm afraid the church is trying to do that a lot of times. I, I, I love church. I grew up in church. Some of you have heard me tell those stories. My dad was a pastor, like Brother Larry said, a rural church. It grew. 500 people. He was there 35 years. I, I, I was glad to be in the community, but I, I didn't want to stay there because <laughs> they, they knew me as Brother Simpson's son. I never will forget sometime, first time somebody introduced my father as Charles Simpson's father. I said, oh, praise God. Anyway, <laughs> but I got tagged. You know, if you, if you, if you, uh, well, preacher's kids get tagged. Anyway, you can't live there and you can't bring Egyptian thinking into the promised land. The problem with the past, even though it's over, that's where we were taught to think. Stay with me now. The guy went to sleep on the preacher, and he said, why do you always go to sleep? He said, I trust you. Now, don't trust me. Just pay attention. And I'm not saying that because you're not. But you got, you got to think. Now, it, it feels good to be in the Spirit, but you've got to think. You can't go where God wants you to go and think the way you used to think. You say, well, I'm saved. That's fine. But as as you go, God's intent is to change how you think because you're going to a place you've never been to before. That doesn't mean change your morals. doesn't mean change your doctrine. doesn't mean change your view of God. Well, you will change your view of God. It will become enlarged and enhanced. And you'll know less about God and know more of God. I'm going to explain that. We can be so certain about things <clears throat> that we know very little about. God wants us to know him. He said, you'll know me if you... Follow on to know the Lord. I th I'd say it this way. If you stay where you are, you'll forget what you thought you knew. How many of you know there is no neutrality? We are either moving forward or we're going backwards even if we think we're sitting still. Now, I'm saying this not to condemn or criticize the church. I'm saying this because there are things ahead that we need to be prepared for, and if we're not on our toes, we won't be. And I'll tell you this, I think most of the church won't be. I think most of the church is in theater watching the preacher perform and watching the worship team perform and going home feeling good they did that. But in a coma, spiritually. Not aware of what... Now, I, I'm not saying that you're that way. I'm saying that the, ch oh my gosh, help me Lord. The charismatic movement got started in a revolution and people broke through in gifts and it was persecution and controversy. And then we morphed into contemporary church. So slowly we didn't even realize what happened. How many of you know the Holy Spirit still wants to break through into us? And he disrupts when he does. Did I lose the anointing? It got real quiet in here. I say, 
the Holy Spirit disrupt. We want him to come, but he tears things up. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, you can go back now. Anyway, there we can't live in yesterday because he tore it up. It's gone. There were good things. We can bring the things we learned, but yesterday is gone. I went back to the church I grew up in, oh, about two months ago nearly. First Baptist Church, Theodore, Alabama, in Mobile County, south of Mobile. My father pastored there 35 years, and every once in a while I go back. It was sad. It was sad because, well, of the people there, there were about half as many as there was that I remember. The communities changed. My father tried to get them to move location years ago, but that was a sacred place. Now the community around has changed. And I knew about six people out of maybe 300, maybe. And I, I love that. I met the Lord there. I had a, co- a close friend I grew up with there, and I sat by them. But I'm controversial there, too. Everywhere is fine. In fact, anyway, um, but, I, but I came away saying, yesterday's not here anymore. It's gone. I was sad about it. It was gone. The next day, I went to a memorial service, a funeral, for a guy I played football with. He lived maybe 150 yards from my house on a farm. Good family. He passed away, and I went to the memorial service. And there were other members of my football team there, and I didn't recognize but one of them. They didn't look the same. They didn't look like they were ready to play football. I came away the same way. The past is not here anymore. I can't live in yesterday. If you, if you're preoccupied with yesterday, you're not nearly ready for tomorrow. The mind is the steering wheel of the brain and the body. What's on your mind has control of where you're going. A lot of people are stuck in yesterday. Something they did wrong, something somebody did wrong to them, something. And they're stuck. Maybe they can't forgive. Maybe they can't see anything else. Maybe it was really bad, but they're stuck. They're in Egypt. Everybody else got out, but they didn't. They're still enslaved. If your mind is stuck in yesterday, you're not nearly ready for tomorrow. Now, let's talk about tomorrow for a few minutes. You you can't live in tomorrow either. Some people try that. They have ideas, and they're living as though those ideas are real. Uh, I listen to Jordan Peterson from time to time. He's a psychologist on YouTube. Some of you may. And uh, he quoted uh, Carl Jung. And Jung said, people don't have ideas. Ideas have people. That's profound. A lot of people got an idea and it got them. I'll tell you a story. My wife and I lived in a house without air conditioning back in the early 60s, 1960s, anyway. And we didn't have air conditioning. <clears throat> and uh, so we had a big attic fan. You remember those, anybody? It sucked in everything. It sucked in trees if they weren't rooted. I mean, and we, we you know, it'd bring the air in and brought everything else in. And we slept by an open window right by the head of the bed about... Yay high. And there was a big tree right by the open window, so it gave us privacy. 
And we did pretty good until one morning a blue jay landed in the bush about 5 o'clock. Now, blue jays are a nasty bird. There ought to be a law against blue jays. They scream, and they're nasty. Anyway, this blue jay landed in the bush and began to scream 5 o'clock in the morning. And I wasn't happy. And so this happened several mornings. I got up and walked around the corner of the house, and I saw a cat at the base of the bush. And I said, you crazy blue jay, you need to leave that bush and that cat alone. Well, one morning I walked around, there's blue jay feathers all over the ground. Now, the blue jay, he could have flown all over Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Tennessee. He had a perfectly good brain. He had great wings. But the cat got his mind. And he had something on his mind that he was going to bother the cat. I don't know why. The cat wasn't talking. He was just squatting there looking at that blue jay. And I guess the blue jay got closer and closer. And it was over. Be careful what gets on your mind. If the past is on your mind or some other problem, and you can read the list in 1 Corinthians 10, it keeps you from going where God wants you to go. Or if you're living in some future dream, you could be in trouble there too because things are going to change. Remember, we're on a trip. I, I don't want to frighten anybody, but there are no guarantees about tomorrow. Bible says, the Lord taught in Sermon on the Mount, don't worry and be anxious about tomorrow. Anybody here sinned in that regard? May I see your... No, that's all I put them down. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's the problem? I'm dreaming. That's fine. But if you get an idea, I've heard prophecies and I've heard some good prophecies. And I've heard some that didn't work out. And I believe in prophecy. It's a funny thing about, about uh, the Word of God. It's both already and not yet. It's already because God is saying it from eternity. Remember, God doesn't live in time. He lives in eternity. No time at all. He sees the end from the beginning. And the Bible says, prepared before the foundation of the world. God has prepared some things for us before the world was created. And so, when he speaks to you, it's real right then. But it's not yet come to pass. Now, here's the thing. Your immediate, your, help me, Father. Your immediate response is to jump to the not yet as though it already is. And I know people that teach us what you're supposed to do. I'm, I just think that could be a mistake. I don't believe God wants us to live in the past. I don't believe he wants us to live in the future. He's covered the past, and we need to trust him for that. And he will make a way in the future. We can trust him for that. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But that's not where we live. So where do we live? Today. Help me, Father. Help us. Today is not a Friday or a Thursday. Today is God's opportunity for you to obey Him. That's how we get to tomorrow. It isn't, it isn't a theater. It's not about entertainment. It is not about keeping our tradition. It's not about anything. All that may be great. It's about one thing. It's obeying God. Can you say amen? How many of you know God is speaking? How many of you know God knows the future? And what he says to do today will line you up for the future 
But if you get to worrying about the future, you'll miss what you're supposed to be doing today. Today, if you will not harden your hearts, as in the day of provocation, today is the acceptable time. In other words, when God presents an opportunity, let's go right down to the minute. This is, this is, this is where I'm being challenged. It's, it's easy for me to think, well, you know, if God will do this, then I'll do this. And there's something standing right in front of me that I'm not paying attention to. Or I won't talk. Or I won't obey. Help me to know what to say here. I'm trying to get sensitive. I, you know, it's a little late. But I'm trying to get sensitive. <laughs> Any of you have my problem? You know, I, I, I don't mind. If you'll tell me what to do, I'll do it. But being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How many of you know, if we all got sensitive to the Holy Spirit and obeyed, we'd turn Nashville upside down. God knows. He knows where the... Um, he knows where the explosion is. He knows what would unlock. I, um, I, 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 I have passed opportunities. I'm thinking, we used to think about the four spiritual laws, and that's fine. We used to think about evangelistic campaigns, and that's fine. But I frankly don't think that's what God's saying today. I think he's saying to you and to me, do what the Spirit is saying now. And that's evangelism. Now, I know a demonstration of what I'm talking about, but I won't, I won't hold it up. Today is where we are. Today's where the Holy Spirit is, and He is preparing our minds for a new relationship to the Holy Spirit. He's preparing. How many of you understand tomorrow's going to be different? It's going to be really different, folks. Have you studied artificial intelligence? I believe the Antichrist can be artificial intelligence. I mean, we have no clue generally. I'm sure somebody here does, but generally we have no clue. Now you're hearing it. Lexa, the TV voice that you can command, is also listening to you when you're not talking to it. <laughs> Anybody here? I know. Don't raise your hand. I was going to say, have Lexa. But anyway, we're we're going to find out. There's a lot going on that we didn't know was going on. Change. I'm not trying to scare you because I'm going to say something. I hope will put you at peace. But we can't think like Egypt and go into tomorrow. We can't. It wasn't a lack of resources. Israel came out of Egypt rich. They got the gold and the silver. They built the tabernacle in the wilderness. They had resources. The problem was when they had an opportunity, they backed up. Remember Kadesh Barnier? Twelve spies went over. Ten came back with a bad report. And, and some kept saying, you know, I really miss Egypt. Let, let me say this about one of the guys, some of you know, I think Gary Browning's been up here, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Gary's a spiritual son. Been with me a long, long time. And he works with addictions and alcoholics, so forth. And, and we were talking, this, I guess it was last year, and he said, you know, I've discovered that getting off is much simpler if people have a purpose. 
And he said, I'm starting to focus on finding your purpose, and that gives you the motivation to get out of where you are. See, a lot of people, the reason they get into where they are is they lost their sense of purpose, if they ever had one. Well, anyway, today you're faced with the next step. The opportunity. God will give you the resources for where he's calling you, but you won't see them before you you start. That's kind of, what was the name of that Harrison Ford movie where he was, he had to step out on something he didn't see? You remember? Huh? Pardon? The Last Crusade? Yeah. That was one of the best demonstrations of of truth I've seen in a movie, faith. He had to step on something he hadn't seen. He couldn't see. There are people all around us. There's a bridge to them, but we can't see it. But God will show it to us if we let him. And, and we really need to be building bridges. I have a feeling that the culture and the church are moving further and further apart. And bridges are getting harder and harder to build. So you say, I trust God. I trust God. I do. I think God wants us to trust him. But trust is not passive. You can't be passive and say you're trusting God. Because if God is saying move... That requires action. And besides, to get where God wants us, we've got to begin moving. And it's not what we do in church that's going to get us there. I love church. But what we do in church should be reporting on what's happened out in the world and preparing us to go out and do more. And it isn't just about, it's not about forcing our faith on people. It's not about using religious phrases and platitudes. God help us. There's got to be a different way to say it. Because people are inoculated to language. I think the best way to say it is with love. With service. But it's what happens when we're in a situation. The Lord says, say something to that person. What do I say? Well, I'll tell you what to say. Say it. I asked for something at the desk at the motel. I asked for something. I won't tell you what it was. They didn't have it, but this young woman who was behind the counter, she had it. And she said, well, I I have one. I said, I would like to have it. She said, okay. She gave it to me. It's a simple thing. Don't don't lose the rest of the message. Anyway, so I took it. And I came back, and the Lord said, say something to her. And I said, sweetheart, the Bible says, if you give a cup of cold water, to God's servant, you'll get his reward. I said, I'm a servant of God. You gave me what I asked for. God's going to bless you. She looked at me like I dropped out of space. <laughs> now, I don't know what's going to happen to her. Something good, I believe. But just say something. Ask God to use you. Now, trusting God is not passive. Say it with me. Trusting God is not, let's say it again. Trusting God is not passive. How many of you trust God? Can I see your hands? All right. That's, you, you see, it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. That's true. But then if we believe in Jesus when he talks, we do what he asks us to do. It's active. And by his voice, he is the navigator. We're just the crew. 
He's taking us somewhere. Now, this is a paradox. Labor, it says, Hebrews 4.11, labor to enter into rest. <laughs> That's hard work. Are you with me now? How many of you would like to get into rest? Can I see your hands? That's good. All right. Some of you are still waiting on me to trick you. Anyway, and, and some of you need rest. Now, here's the thing. Labor to enter into rest. Labor's hard work. Now, one translation, I think this one says be diligent, but I like labor. Labor to enter into rest. You have, it's a struggle to come to the place where you can just trust God and do it like a child. It is for me. I mean, I've had to struggle. You know, a lot of times you think, God, I hope this is right. Was that really you? Um, But when you come to that place where you just do it and don't worry about it, you've entered into rest. Here's Here's a beautiful thing. You can make this journey a hard journey in a spirit of rest. You can. (laughs) Israel got through the Red Sea and they danced, got the tambourines out. And I understand that. They got delivered. They got, their lives got saved. It was good. A few days later, they're groaning and grumbling, complaining. Sometimes I think Christians are like that. Israel is an example. Oh, that was so great. Hallelujah. It was a miracle. Let's get out the tambourines. That's nothing wrong with that. But a few days later, what's God doing? Man, I didn't like that. The journey does have its challenges if we're going to get to rest. Well, I have short sermons but long introductions. Let me just tell you one more story. My wife and I got married. Our first vacation, real vacation, 1962, we had a boat. We love boats. We've had a number of boats. And um, it was 17 and a half feet long. That's not a big boat. We couldn't afford a big boat. And we, we bought this boat, and and we redid. I mean, we, we went over that boat stem to stern. We, we, we re-caulked it. We took off the old paint, put on new paint, tightened all the screws, got a new anchor. I mean, did for three months every night we'd work on it. And finally, we, we had this long planned vacation, and we, 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 and we slept on the boat. It had a bathroom on the boat. It had, it was, it was great. Across Mobile Bay, it was a little rough. A little south wind came up and, and, and some said it was 90 miles an hour. And we were crossed, fortunately. Our parents didn't know we'd crossed. They weren't sure because we didn't have cell phones in those days. And we spent 10 days on it. Just a great time. Coming back, we came up the eastern shore of Mobile Bay to Fairhope, and you could see 12 miles across the bay was our cottage. You couldn't see it then, but, I mean, it was 12 miles across the bay. And so we were so close to home, and it was a little choppy, but not dangerous. And and we stopped at the marina, and they didn't have any gas, but we had enough. And there was nobody there to tend to us, and... and 
patient me. I said, let's go. And my wife was sweetheart. She said, yeah, let's go. And so we, we went. And we, we got about five or six miles out there. And it got dark. You couldn't see. You couldn't see 50 yards. That's kind of a frightening feeling when you're on the water. And the waves were higher than the boat. You couldn't see over them. The south wind was coming up the channel, and we were going across the channel, and we would climb the waves, and then we'd go down into the trough and run as fast as we could, then climb the waves. And we were doing, we're not making a whole lot of progress, but we were doing that. And finally, the engine went, I said, oh, no, we can't run it. What was happening is the the boat doing this, the the gas was making the intake manifold. It was missing it. And I said, sweetheart, you've got to pour gas from the other tank into that tank. She's down the floor crying. She was scared to death. I would I would have been crying, but I couldn't let go of the wheel. <laughs> and and I said, You have to. And she did. She poured gas and the engine leveled out. But we fought it. And we got to the other side, twelve miles in a storm, and looked back and the the whole bay was smooth as glass. I said bad words. I thought, this is terrible. <laughs> Our journey's kind of like that. God's given us promises. There is another side. We start out, and then it gets dark sometimes. You see, the enemy attacks you in the transition. When you're going from the past to the future, you're less stable you're you're not as sure. You're like Abraham. You know not where you're going. But you're going. And the enemy says, well, now's my chance. When Jesus was in the wilderness, that's when the enemy came. When Israel was in the wilderness, that's when the enemy came. When you're going through a tough time and you're not particularly happy, that's when the enemy comes. It's important that you don't let go of the wheel, that you keep your bow pointed where God said go. It's important that you trust him in the storm. You can actually have rest when the host of hell assail. If you really trust him, if you really trust him, just do what he says. It'll change things. Some people that haven't had a testimony in years come back saying, Wow, God has done great things. Thank you, Pastor.